0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Hydrogen Nowcast for July 23rd, 2021. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. Our intent is to encourage and motivate others to get involved, to take charge, to help deploy hydrogen as a means to decarbonize the energy sector and accelerate the movement to stop climate change. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network. In the podcast today, I want to talk about the long-term characteristics or prospects for both hydrogen EV fueling and battery EV charging. Now, I'm not calling this a comparison because that implies some sort of value judgment. This is not a contest. We need both fuel cell EVs and battery EVs if we have any hope of replacing 100% of piston engine vehicles. And 100% has got to be our goal if we want to preserve our planet and our civilization. The reason I want to devote a podcast to these two types of EV fueling is not because I don't think you listeners know what a battery EV charging station is or, or what a hydrogen fuel station is, But I want to talk about the bigger picture of the deployment of these two fueling types at scale. Now, to really understand the situation requires looking at the energy numbers, not just a simple notion of a battery charger or a hydrogen fuel station with a disregard on how they connect to the world. You know, what I try to do with this podcast is to give you listeners a perspective so that you can understand the hydrogen ecosystem from a holistic or a systems point of view. So speaking of systems, we're going to apply some systems engineering concepts today. So first, I think it's important to define what a system is. Now, a system is a group of interacting or interrelated elements. Let me repeat that. A system is a group of interacting or interrelated elements. So the first thing we have to do is to define which elements to include and which to exclude. Now, we systems engineers call that defining the systems boundary. If you get your boundary wrong, your analysis and your thinking will be wrong. So to apply systems thinking to our subject at hand of EV fueling, that is both charging and hydrogen stations, what falls inside our systems boundary and why? To understand that requires thinking quantitatively about the energy required. As I said a minute ago, we have to be thinking of the energy numbers in order to understand where our systems boundary goes. You see, motor vehicles require enormous amounts of energy. To put that into perspective, let's compare the amount of energy required by both battery and fuel cell EVs to the amount of energy used by the average house in America. Now, I know the Hydrogen Nowcast has listeners all over the world, but I'm going to use an average American house as an example. Now, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, also known as EIA, and their website is EIA.gov. The average home in America uses 28.9 kilowatt hours per day, but let's round that up to 29 kilowatt hours. By comparison, a battery EV with 250 miles of range needs about 90 kilowatt hours or about three days worth of a home's energy. A fuel cell EV needs 128 kilowatt hours of hydrogen for that same 250 miles or about 4.4 days worth of energy. So the point is, As we start pulling this energy from our electric grid instead of from an oil well, this could have a major impact on the electrical grid, which we need to consider. So it's starting to sound like the electrical grid needs to be inside our systems boundary when we consider providing energy for vehicles. Now, let me take a second to define what I'm talking about when I say the electric grid. So for the purposes of this conversation, we can think of the grid as having basically three elements, which are energy sources, of course, like wind and solar arrays, the transmission lines, and the distribution lines. Transmission lines are the huge towers that you see. They typically carry three or six wires. Now, distribution lines are smaller poles. In the U.S., they're often wood, but in other parts of the world, reinforced concrete may be used. Now, as we increase the demand on the grid, this is all going to have to expand. So looking at this quantitatively, how much? Do we care? Well, as it turns out, we need to care and we need to care a lot. So using the state of Colorado as an example, how much electricity would the grid have to supply to convert all piston vehicles to electric? When we reach full scale, I'll assume for now that half the vehicles are going to be battery and half are going to be fuel cell. Now, based on the amount of gas and diesel sold in Colorado each year, that would equate to approximately 53 billion kilowatt hours or if you prefer 53 terawatt hours. Now, as it turns out, coincidentally, that's about the same amount of electricity currently used in Colorado in a year. So therefore, the grid would have to double just to satisfy the needs of transportation. Of course, homes and buildings will be transitioning from petroleum to electricity as well, adding to that demand. So that begs the question, could we do that? I mean, could we double the grid? Well, This transition will take place over more than a decade, and I would expect we could build the wind and solar needed to generate the energy. But remember, the transmission and distribution lines would need to more than double as well. So for a minute, picture where you live and visualize all the power lines that you see daily. Now imagine doubling them. Not only is this a significant cost, but there'll be public resistance in a lot of places to that visual impact. Perhaps none of this is a significant issue in major metropolitan areas, but we need to consider how to get this significant amount of electrical energy to small towns and rural locations. Now, currently, there probably aren't transmission lines serving many of these areas, and the nearest transmission lines may be dozens or even hundreds of miles or kilometers away. So building major power lines over these distances will have a significant cost. So let me tell you a little story to give you an example of how things will have to grow. Now in West Central Colorado is a town called Glenwood Springs, which has a population of just under 10,000 people. Now a number of months ago, the town experienced a grid brownout. Uh, Remember brownout is a condition where the voltage of the electrical grid drops. Now the local power utility was of course dismayed and puzzled by what caused this so they did some investigating and were able to determine that just 6 Tesla cars had connected to fast chargers at the same time and just 6 vehicles charging were able to adversely affect power of this entire town. So let's take this a step further and estimate how many battery vehicles may be charging in Glenwood Springs in the future if all piston vehicles were converted to battery EVs. So Glenwood Springs has around 8 gasoline stations. Now during the day there's easily an average of probably five vehicles pumping gasoline at each station. So in the entire town, there are five cars times eight stations or 40 vehicles fueling. Now, let's say that each gasoline vehicle takes five minutes to fill. So over the span of 30 minutes, which is the time a battery EV would probably need to charge, there would be 30 minutes divided by five minutes or six times the number of vehicles charging, which is 240 vehicles. In other words, if there are 40 vehicles fueling in five minutes, there will be 240 vehicles fueling over the span of 30 minutes. So the point is that even in a town of 10,000 people, they'll need to have significantly more electricity available when all vehicles transition from petroleum to electricity. Now, the same is true for rural fuel stations. For example, on highways, significant transmission lines will need to be built over many miles to supply electricity for vehicle charging. So let's take a minute to kind of step back at this point and look at where we are. Uh, First of all, I hope I've convinced you that pulling energy from the grid to power electric vehicles, whether the vehicles are battery or fuel cell, is a pretty big deal. But is this the only answer? That is, does all of our future transportation energy have to come from the grid? Now, certainly in many places, it'll make sense to charge vehicles from the grid or to generate hydrogen by splitting water with electricity from the grid. But here's where hydrogen as a fuel has a big advantage. We don't have to pull the energy from the grid. So first of all, there are other sources of zero carbon hydrogen than from water electrolysis. For example, we can extract massive amounts of zero carbon hydrogen from old petroleum wells. You know, it's been estimated that abandoned oil wells still contain 50 to 60% of the petroleum. The wells were abandoned not because there was no oil left, but rather because it was uneconomical to extract the oil. By injecting oxygen into these wells, pure hydrogen can be brought out of the well through a palladium filter. Now the carbon stays underground and it becomes locked in the rock. We covered this concept in the November 12, 2020 podcast. Another source of renewable zero-carbon hydrogen is from geological sources, in other words, hydrogen wells. Secondly, we can transport hydrogen to rural and remote fuel stations. As I've said on this podcast before, moving hydrogen in liquid or gaseous form is pretty inefficient. However, by embedding hydrogen in liquid organic hydrogen carriers or LOHCs, or combining hydrogen with nitrogen to form liquid ammonia, hydrogen can be easily trucked to more rural locations. Now, the cost is higher than generating hydrogen by splitting water with the electricity. But the cost may be far less than building new electrical grid infrastructure. Now, additionally, the hydrogen that's embodied in the liquid organic hydrogen carrier or in the ammonia could come from geological sources, thereby bypassing the grid entirely. Now, as a side note, it's kind of interesting that some companies are proposing to power remote battery EV charging stations from hydrogen instead of the grid because the grid isn't available. Now, the way this works is that hydrogen or ammonia or liquid organic hydrogen carriers would be trucked to these remote locations and electricity for battery charging would be generated by the use of a hydrogen fuel cell. Kind of crazy. Now, a third way that rural or remote hydrogen fuel stations could be supplied is by pipeline. In many cases, the very highway that you're trying to serve with fueling can act as the right-of-way for the pipeline. And the last advantage of hydrogen fueling is that If the energy is taken from the electrical grid to generate hydrogen by electrolysis, this generation could be interrupted by the electric utility during periods of peak grid demands, thereby giving the utility a means to regulate the load on the grid. So listeners, that's the end of my description of hydrogen EV fueling and battery EV charging. Uh, This has been a short podcast, but I hope it's given you an appreciation that when it comes to forming an opinion around the energy transition, It often requires looking at the numbers, not just general concepts, which reminds me of a quote from H.L. Mencken, which is actually one of my favorites. Uh, He said, for every complicated problem, there's a solution that's simple, direct, understandable, and wrong. So listeners, if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please subscribe to the podcast and also give us a rating in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. And of course, word of mouth recommendations are really important, so consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. So if you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me through the website at www.colorado-hydrogen.org, or of course on LinkedIn. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.